0: Welcome, everyone, to the Developmenter Podcast, your source for interviews and content on careers in technology. I'm your host, Gran Ingersoll. Each and every episode, we aim to bring you interesting interviews and advice on careers in tech, not just software development. Our goal really is to showcase all the different aspects that go into creating a tech company and how you might find your own path in that realm. To that end, today's guest has had a long career focused on writing, reporting, and editing content in the tech industry. Along the way, she's turned an English bachelor's and a journalism master's into titles like managing editor and community architect. Those jobs also translate into a pretty full travel schedule, it seems, as her Twitter feed always seems to be full of tweets from some conference she's attending. Please welcome to the show, Ricky Ensley. Ricky, great to have you here.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited.
0: Hey, Ricky, you know, we've, we've known each other for some time now, and I've, I've had the opportunity of writing content for one of your publications, so I thought it would be appropriate if I could flip the script and have you produce some content for me. So how about we kick things off and have you give a proper intro to yourself and your career?
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm always better in print, so it's exciting to get out of my comfort zone and try podcast again. It's been a while. Um, my background is, um, as you mentioned, tech journalism. I got into it very accidentally um, via some customer service background I had. And uh, I started at a tech publishing company back in the late 90s uh, in a customer service department uh, running the fulfillment group and helping, you know, sell back issues of magazines and that sort of thing. So I really got into it accidentally. I actually took a step down to get my first editing job on SysAdmin Magazine, which is no longer around, but still fondly remembered by subscribers and writers, Uh, and it kind of took off from there, and I I just, I ended up liking it, Um, didn't, you know, it just was so accidental that I ended up in this industry, but I really liked the people and uh, what I was learning, it's never boring, you know, so I just, I stayed at that company for almost 10 years before I um, decided to go back to grad school and pursue my master's and moved over to another tech publishing company, and that's how it all got started.
0: Wow, that's great. And so, so actually, during this time period, I mean, quite a lot of transition going on in the industry. It sounds like very early on, like you were actually doing full-on physical dead tree printing, right?
1: Absolutely. I, in fact, I remember one of the first meetings I was in um, at the company, which was, at the time called Miller Freeman uh, and eventually we uh, uh, got bought by, I think CMP media or we bought CMP media. I, I forget how that all went down and then it became part of United business media. I believe this was so many years ago, <laughs> um, but I remember being one of those first meetings where I was still in customer service and I remember listening to the publisher of sysadmin magazine, which was a Unix admin magazine talk about the challenges they were having because Unix, um, you know, wasn't really a thing so much anymore and that everyone was doing Windows administration. And then a few months later, him uh, talking about how things had kind of shifted and this thing called Linux, people were talking about it a lot more and they were expanding their coverage to be a Unix and Linux magazine. And so um, it really changed then and the, and the magazine continued to grow. You know, this was back when they were starting to launch all these other Linux magazines too, print magazines. So yeah, it's been a while.
0: Yeah, those were the good old days of tech publishing too, where you could actually make money off of writing a book and, and things exactly. like that because, because the information wasn't online. So, so so you're in this customer service role, you know, how did you, how did you, you know, you said it kind of accidentally, but... You know, presumably, there's some point in time where you said, "Hey, I can write, or I, I can, I can do these kinds of things." How did you get that first gig, if you will, or how did you prove that out for the first time?
1: That's a great question, Grant, and um, I think it is a whole theme for my career. Is it's all about networking, <laughs> and um, I you know, knew the editorial staff at Sysadmin Magazine because we worked at the same company, even though I was in customer service. And I got to know them and expressed my interest in an editing role, an entry-level editing role at some point, um, you know, and, and it, like I said, it ended up being a little step down pay-wise, you know, to move into an associate editor role um, because I was a, a manager of a customer service team at that point. But for me, it was a really good career move to get my foot in the door over there. And they gave me a chance because they had seen, you know, that, I could write and I could edit and I could um, manage people and tasks. And that's the kind of thing they needed skill wise, you know, in publishing and in, in, in magazine business.
0: Yeah. I think you hit on some really key career points in there of this, you know, one networking and relationships, but, but second, and I think this is something that's often lost if you go to, you know, a really hardcore STEM path is this ability to communicate. Right. And, and, you know, if nothing, if nothing else coming out with English and journalism, like that is just founded around communication. So talk a little bit about how that's really helped you then go forward out of, out of this starting point.
1: Um, About that uh, communications background. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just not a field that that's not useful in. Right. And so it's funny when I, I joke about my English degree and I'm like, you know, I mastered my native language, you know, but um, <laughs> it, it really does give you um, any of the liberal arts degrees, you know, just give you they're um, they their, their people degrees, you know, I mean, you're learning so many things, history and uh, culture and uh, anthropology and, um, you know, all these skills that end up helping in various careers, you know, and so for me, just being able to communicate clearly and, um, you know, early on, I was, uh, you know, in the, in the fulfillment area, I was communicating with international people, and so having to communicate very clearly with um, folks from around the world and, you know, being very mindful of that, when, you know, that emails have to be more clear and, and, you know, you have to be careful of colloquialisms and, um, you know, uh, pop culture references, you know, that aren't going to translate well, and so that has all served me really well in my career.
0: Yeah, the, I, I can remember some of the first trips I took abroad, and and the realization that the things that are funny here in the U.S. aren't necessarily funny in other places. Uh, uh, it really hit home when when you just see the audience is entirely deadpan after what you thought was a really good joke. so.
1: Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and uh, you know, after I left uh, uh, SysAdmin Magazine, I worked for Linux New Media, which was a company based out of Germany, and so that was really interesting culturally. We all um, we all got along very well and uh, would openly joke about the different um, cultural things between the two different companies or uh, countries you know for example um, you know uh, gun references were not okay in Germany you couldn't put gun illustrations in the magazine or anything whereas you know a little nudity is more acceptable over there than it would be uh, you know in North America in a magazine so uh, it, it is interesting.
0: Yeah, so many things we could unpack there if this were only a political podcast, but but we're not going to go right. there. <laughs> um, you know, so so digging in a little bit more. I mean, you know, so coming into tech, kind of from, uh, you know. Uh, uh, English background what, what do you see as some of the keys that all techies could use around being better communicators like just you know maybe a tip or two that hey if you hadn't thought about this in your own career uh, because you're so focused on the code or on on some more technical aspects what are some tips in your mind that would help people
1: well, communicating online can be tricky no matter how well you communicate um, because you still, people aren't seeing gestures. If they haven't met you in person, they're not seeing your face. They're not, um, you know, people come in with assumptions. And so occasionally uh, a phone call or a video call <laughs> is actually essential to making sure you have essential or, a, you know, clear communication. Um, in fact, I mean, at one point I I actually needed to go over to Germany and meet the team because we reached a point where we realized at Linux New Media that I would work a little more effectively with a few people on the team if we'd actually had some face time and got to know each other a little bit. Um, And that really did help improve uh, our ability to work. And that's where, you know, still conferences is such a great way. You know, people talk about the hallway track being the best thing of a conference, and I I really do believe that. It's that, uh, you know, face-to-face, you know, personal interactions, even if they're very brief, it just really helps you communicate more clearly online, you know, yeah. and, and and build you know friendships and business you know relationships a, a lot quicker and more effectively.
0: Yeah, so true. You know, shifting gears a little bit, you know, so you're you're coming in and you have to write about tech, and so how do you approach, you know, the the issue of getting up to speed and perhaps breaking down some of the barriers around tech of you know it's really heavy jargon. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that you know, you could spend your whole life in tech and still never understand. I know I do. Right. So how do you approach as a journalist, as a writer, like getting an understanding such that you can then communicate it to other people?
1: Um, Well, I'm not doing as much writing now as I used to, but um, for a while, I, I, all I did was write as a a freelance tech journalist. And so for me, um, I really, I can't just read about a technology. I really have to get my hands on it and use it. And so uh, you know, the stuff that I, I wrote about it tended to be stuff that I actually installed and played with, you know, if I was writing about content management systems or, um, you know, different Linux um, variations, you know, or um, GIMP or whatever. I actually have to get my hands on it and use it to visualize it and to be able to describe it better. Um, and so that's one approach. And then the other um, trick of the trade, I guess, is is interviewing people and, um, you know, and and using quotes from people like I, I wrote an article years ago about um you know when one tool was good for a job or, or when a different tool was better. And I just I interviewed different professionals who are using both tools, you know, and, and put that together for an article. Um and then uh you know just a lot of research, a lot of reading.
0: Yeah. And I imagine then you pick you you you've probably become fairly technical over the years just through almost osmosis and trying things out. So that's it just goes to show too that you can, you know, this just working at it and continuing with it, you'll, you'll pick up a lot of things I imagine.
1: Yeah. And I I think it leads to more interesting articles too, you know, otherwise you're just quoting what someone else has written in a press release or something like that. And you're not giving any color to it. You know, like I don't like this about it, but this other, you know, this other part of the the new release is really useful for doing X, Y, Z, you know, and so it, it helps if, if you actually get your hands on it. Otherwise, um, yeah. you're writing the exact same thing. 10 other journalists are writing based on press release.
0: Right. Well, so, so you mentioned you don't do as much writing these days. So talk about that shift in the, you know, management or editorial, you know, being more at the the layer above where you're, where you're managing editors, you're building community, those kinds of things.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I do like writing and I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit, um, for me, I found that doing it all the time, um, I liked it less, you know, because if you just aren't in the mood to write, or you're feeling kind of stuck to me, that was really stressful. But the part that I really, I've always loved most is helping, um, other people be better writers and other people say what they're trying to say more clearly and, uh, more effectively. And so I just, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And I feel like that's really my strength. And, um, And I help, I I like helping a a publication or website or magazine, uh, you know, kind of become its own life form, you know, have its own Mm -hmm. voice and stand out and, um, and be polished. Also, you know, have some kind of editorial control on it where you're really uh, creating this polished, you know, platform. Um, So that's, that's what I'm enjoying. And, um, you know, I recently moved over to a developer program from opensource.com and I'd been on opensource.com for about four years. And really enjoyed it and had zero complaints about it, you know, and, but at this point in my career, I also was feeling like, boy, I'm going to be doing this for probably another 20 years or so. And, um, what's next, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I really felt like I needed to get out of my comfort zone and, and, um, and, and feel the struggle again and feel bad at something for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and challenge myself. And so I'm, I'm had this opportunity to move over to a developer program at Red Hat, which I, I did recently. And, um, really did get out of my comfort zone. It's it's been good for me. <laughs> I'm I'm learning a lot, you know, from different different people, things that I wasn't necessarily strong at, but then I could bring in my experience and skills and fill a, a hole that they had in the program.
0: That's fantastic. Let's let's unpack that comfort zone idea a little bit here because I think this is a really important thing for people in their careers is is this notion of getting out of your, your comfort zone and you've hit on it a couple of times throughout, you know, that, that switch and, and in many ways, stepped down to that first editing job. And then now you're, you're talking about it now. How do you, how do you frame or how do you know when you're in your comfort zone a little bit too much? I mean, there's not necessarily bad to be in a comfort zone for a little bit, but then what were you feeling that you, you, you know, kind of unpack that a little bit more. I'm not asking that question in a great way, but, you know, yeah, talk yeah, a little no, bit so. more about it.
1: Yeah. And, um, and it's not for everybody, you know, I mean, there was a point in my life where my personal life, my home life was so chaotic. I I needed something less stressful than the, the job I had. I needed to be in a comfort position at work, you know? Um, and so it's not for everybody. And I'm not saying everybody should hop out of their comfort zone, but there are times in your life when, I mean, it helps you, like, it helps me avoid burnout, you know, I mean, I, I reach a point where I, if I'm not excited to get up and go to work anymore, um, I, I just don't want to be like that, it's not, I'm on my best behavior then, I'm, I'm not the most pleasant to be around and whatever, and so, um, you know, like, years ago, when I took that little, you know, pay cut to move over to SysAdmin Magazine, I remember at the time, we weren't really even in a financial position to do it in my family, you know, and, and people were advising me not to, um, you know, except within the company, and but I went ahead and took that risk because I also looked at the bigger picture and the longer term and what my goals were. And so for me at the time, you know, it it was a a, a good trade off. Even though it was a little bit of a hit to the pocketbook, it ended up you know moving me into the position where I could make more money and um, you know have more options. Um, and I'm in a position now where you know it, it I didn't have to take a pay cut to move into something new. But for me um, I, that's, I just, I don't work well if I feel bored, you know, if I feel Mm -hmm. like I've mastered something at some point, I feel good about being good at stuff, um, you know, but then I'm like, okay, what's next? And I just start thinking about it and obsessing on it. (laughs) And, um, and that's kind of where I was. And I knew I didn't want to leave my company, um, if I could avoid it, because I really do like, uh, you know, my company. And so uh, and, and when I joined this company, one of the, the things, you know, I looked for was an organization like Red Hat that um, where you could kind of create your next position, you know, that there mm-hmm. it was a growing company with room to move around because um, I like change, but I don't like too much change. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it's kind of nice to settle in and work with people you like all the time, you know, and, and um, so I am enjoying that part of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think getting a little uncomfortable, um, it's a little hard at first, you know, because I do remember when I joined this team, I jokingly said a couple of times, oh my God, I've made a huge mistake. What have I done to myself? You know, mm. uh, you know but it, it was also good because I'm learning so much, you know, and I was like, whoa, it's been so long since I felt really bad at something. And, um, uh, and it's not that I was so bad. It's just that I wasn't comfortable. And uh, yeah. it's exciting.
0: Well, I think that's true of uh, you know especially when I see a lot of discussions amongst uh, people earlier in their career you know there's there's often a lot of angst around change and and you know I think I think as you get more experience, you realize that it ebbs and flows, and there's a time and place for being kind of quote unquote comfortable and there's a time mm-hmm. and place when you need to to move it up and out reflecting back a little bit then what's been the most surprising thing about your career today like you know if you asked uh you know I'll assume you're older than 18 18 year old Ricky that hey you're gonna do this in your career she would say no way
1: oh well all of it I mean you know at 18 um you know, I'm first generation college. And so when I was 18, I wasn't even really planning on going to college yet. Mm -hmm. um, You know, because I just wasn't raised in a family where that was a thing that we did, you know, so my entire path has just been, I mean, I worked at a record store then, and that was kind of the, the future plan I had, you know, uh, <laughs> luck, luckily I got out of there because record stores went away for a long time, you know, so they're back. Uh, yeah, they're back, you know, <laughs> so um, I think um, one thing that I discovered uh, a decade or so ago in my career that I had never heard of, um, but is still such a, a factor for me is imposter syndrome. And, you know, when I first heard about it and discovered it, I was like, oh, that's totally me. And now that I know about it, you know, I can I can get over it and move past it. And it's uh, fascinating to me what a role that still plays in my life and how much I have to fight that feeling still, you know. And, for example, when I joined the team on, I'm on now, I'll, you know, I interviewed with quite a few people to make sure it was a good fit. I was interviewing them and they were interviewing me. Um, and then I joined and immediately felt like, God, I'm not qualified. I'm not good. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then I had to tell myself, okay, you have been at the company five years, 12 people have talked to you before you took this role. Um, and it's still that voice inside your head, you know, um, years into your career. I, I just, it's fascinating to me that, um, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. If you have an imposter syndrome, that's still a little voice that you fight, you know? Yeah.
0: No, well, and and then the flip side of it is like that we we sometimes live in a culture that's fake it till you make it too. So right. So you actually have both of these voices in your head. Oh, oh hey, Ricky, it's okay, fake it till you make it, and right. then you know. But but I think what you're really hitting on with imposter syndrome and what really underlies it is that discomfort of of hey, you're outside your realm of expertise, you're outside your bubble a little bit, but. If you can step back and realize, and I, I struggle with this myself, is you can step back and realize that, hey, no, what I'm doing is actually increasing the size of the bubble. Right and adding this new set of skills, then, then you can get past that imposter right. syndrome.
1: Well, and the other funny thing about it is, is, um, so many people, I think have it in tech, have imposter syndrome because, um, we're all doing stuff that hasn't been done before in many cases, you exactly. know? Um, and so we're, we're, uh, no one is holding our hand and telling us how to do it or training us or teaching us, you know, that we're really, um, uh, just blazing new trails, you know, or getting, you know, just experimenting and, and, so you have to be a little bit comfortable with failing at stuff too, and prepared for that, and not um, you know, feel like a failure if a new thing you tried didn't work the way you thought it might.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, by definition, tech is about new, right? right and, exactly. And new means hasn't necessarily been done before, or maybe it's only been prototyped; it hasn't been brought to production. So, yeah. so you, you don't know if it's going to work. What a You know, every job has its pros and cons. Kind of real quick, what are the top two and bottom two things about a career as a tech content writer or publisher? You know, not necessarily about a specific job or a specific company, but just kind of the two best, two worst things about this field you're in.
1: Um, well, I mean, the best thing for me is it's really the people. It's why I'm here, you know, from the the very beginning of my career, I didn't, uh, intend to stay in tech when I got into it, but it, it, the people are really what kept me here and keep me here. Um, and so, uh, it's, uh, you know, that, and then, I mean, part two of that, I guess, is that you get to continue working with the same people in different ways in this career, Um, and, uh, in open source, you get to work with your competitors, which I really like that. It's a pretty friendly field, you know, Mm -hmm. that, um, I have friendly relationships with people who work at companies that are technically competitors for red hat. And that's, um, that's fine. That's acceptable. That's normal. That's good. That's the way this industry is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and then con wise, I guess, um, sometimes the pace at which we work well, always the pace at which we work, there's never anything that I sent that I, I publish, you know, or send out where I'm like, it's perfect. It's done now. Um, because that's just not the nature of uh, yeah. tech journalism. You know, I mean, you can do that if you're writing a, a, a book, maybe, um, you know, but it's, it just doesn't work for tech journalism. You've got to get it out there and, and keep going, you know, otherwise, uh, the technology's out of date by the time you perfected the article, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And then the business model, Model, um for publishing has always been challenging, uh, you know, and that was really hard when I was actually in print um, publishing, you know, that, and I was fortunate, the magazines I worked on, including, including Linux New Media, we were always just so focused on the reader and you depend on the advertisers to a degree, you know, but that's also been the total downfall of many publications. It's where they got lost along the way in, in an effort. Yeah. Well, which is if you lose yourself in that effort and you forget the reader, you know, it's not fun anymore and you lose the reader. And um, so that's always been a big challenge. And that's, you know, one of the things that I I really loved about working on opensource.com was that it's a site supported by Red Hat. And so, you know, we just got to focus on readers and um, you know, creating content that would be interesting and new and it didn't have to make a profit. You know um, we weren't selling a magazine or selling ads on an article um, and so that's, that's always a challenge.
0: Right. It's always nice to have a patron, right?
1: <laughs> right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I could tell you that writing a book is no different in terms of deadlines. And in fact, in some ways it's, uh, just as painful because the, because the tech is changing so fast, the thing you were writing on all of a sudden is different. And well, so- yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> t- tech publishing uh, books. Yeah. That's it's the same boat. But if you're trying to write a masterpiece novel I assume you have a little bit more time you know so
0: (laughs) yeah for sure for sure well so speaking of the business model I mean you know I think you hit on you know as I want to shift gears into this you know looking forward at the or at least to the here and now you know content publishing is notoriously difficult game. Right. I mean, you know, SEO, you've got these content farms out there, a lot of offshoring heck even AI these days is starting to generate articles that are of some decent level of, of readability. I mean, how do you think about staying ahead and, and or keeping your team ahead when it comes to, to publishing?
1: Um, well, you know, I, 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 since I have moved to a tech company now, um, it, it is a little different, uh, for us, you know, I mean, I, 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 keep an eye on what the tech, um, publications are doing, you know, the for-profit tech publications and they still, I mean, it's a, a big struggle still. And I really, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to see, um, you know, where the industry is going or even with regular journalism, you know, it's just, it's still such a struggle, Uh, I think we in tech, um, if we want to see good tech journalism, we also have to be prepared to um, spend some money and help support it. Uh, And I think that's not a thing that uh, many of us are comfortable doing, you know, and so we have to be thinking about how can we financially support publications if we like them and and want them to stay around, uh, you know, so... But
0: but even in your like you know like working on a specific product and that like you have you know part of what you're doing right is evangelizing this idea to to developers to to architects to to users and and you, you're still playing that same game of how do you get on the first page of Google
1: right right mm-hmm. so so yeah.
0: how, you know like how do you think they're you know how does how do you stay ahead there? I mean, obviously you've got the weight of, in in this particular case, Red Hat behind you, but you still got to, you still got to work pretty hard at it, I would think.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to, you definitely have to have an editorial voice and um, you know, some kind of a, an outline of who you are as a publication. Uh, the, the people on your publication matter, the editors or the writers. That makes a big difference because um, we, you know, readers, um, don't necessarily get attached to the brand of a publication. We um, follow specific writers or editors mm. that that we trust, you know. So um, I think that's important. And then um, if you're doing any kind of publishing or editing, you really uh, need to be thinking about um, you know your focus. You can't be good at everything, you know and for example, on OpenSource.com, when I was uh, there, or on uh, the developer program on, I'm on now, uh, breaking news is probably not a thing we should focus on. There are other sites mm-hmm. that should do breaking news and do it better, and we should focus on more deep dive articles. You know, um, with a very specific audience in mind. We can't, you know, in a developer program, we are very clear on what our audience is—they're developers, you know—and so that um, we just need to deliver excellent develop, developer content you know, or if you're on a more general um, publication, like on Linux Pro magazine, um, when I was there, people would always um, ask me to compare us to Linux Journal, which was, you know, technically a competitive magazine. My response then was, well, you should get both of the magazines because they're different, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were very focused at Linux Pro on, um, you know, professionals, you know, uh, or, or developers or people who were using Linux and open source tools in the workplace and Linux journal did some of that, but they also had, a, um, I, I thought they had more hobbyist type stuff too than we did. And mm-hmm. so I would think you, um, back then, I th- I thought you would probably want to get both of them if you were into Linux and open source, you know, but they, because they were different, um, and not they just, uh, and I thought that was a good argument to have. And it also, um, We were a better magazine because we had competitors to hold ourselves against, you know, and, um, you know, it it made us focus on um, a very specific set of content and readers.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, Ricky, I want to thank you for coming on. And I, I want to finish up with one last question around career advice. But before we do that, I mean, a lot of really good things in here and career-wise that people should be able to take away around building up relationships, that key of networking, the, the key of getting outside of your comfort zone. And then ultimately, I mean, I think in many ways, what you're just encompasses a lot of your career is you found your voice, right? and And you mm-hmm. found a way to leverage the skill you had around communication and to actually bringing, uh, bringing your voice to the, to the table, if you will. So, so perhaps then, you know, just finish up with the, the question I ask everybody, which is, you know, what advice would you give for somebody who wants to get started in this field
1: uh, well, it really is about the people in this field. And so and, and I understand that not everyone can go to a conference, you know, for for many reasons. And so there are many other ways to build your network, which and when I say network, I mean, it's relationships, you're building relationships with people. And, um, you know, and it should be fun. You know, it should be something you enjoy, you're connecting with other humans, you know, and so that can be done online, and that can be done regionally, uh, can be done in your neighborhood, you know, I mean, Uh, I've been surprised at how many people I've met uh, and had interesting conversations with who work in tech, um, you know, just at like a a grill out last weekend, for example, or (laughs) going to a a meetup, you know, or a local coffee shop, you know, you see someone's sticker on their laptop and it's an interest you share. Those are opportunities to actually get to know folks who uh, have something in common with you and um, make you see the world a little differently and think about opportunities you might not have thought of.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. i never thought of the sticker on the laptop as being a, an icebreaker, but that makes a ton of sense. I, <laughs> yes, I love it, it. I guess I better put some stickers on mine again.
1: Absolutely.
0: No, a lot of great advice there, uh, Ricky. And I think you hit the nail on the head at the end of the day that, you know, Tech is important, but the relationships are even deeper, so are even more important. So can't thank you enough for joining me today on the Developmentor Podcast. Thanks again, Ricky, for, for joining.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you, as always, to our listeners for taking the time to listen. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast app is. You can also visit us at developmentor.com to hear older episodes as well as find other content on careers and technology. Most importantly, if you like this show, please tell your friends. Those are the lifeblood of any podcast. If you have any feedback on this episode or any episode, or you'd like to be a guest, drop us an email at podcasts at developmentor.com. Finally, we here at Developmentor hope that each and every episode helps you move that one step closer defining your path.